Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the O oh, No 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 podcast. Um, I am your de facto host today without Duncan or Robbie in the, the host seat. Um, so my name is Blair Hopcroft and I'm joined today by Scott Fleming. Hello, Scott. All right. All good. I've got Leslie Mabin sitting in a car, freezing his backside off. Morning, Leslie. Good morning from Fort Augustus at the bottom end of Loch Ness, where Nessie, Howden's, Matalan and the Keswick Bridge took one hell of a beating. Love that. I don't even need to do the introductions. This is how good this podcast is getting. Um, all the way from a, a balmy 11 degrees Barcelona, it's Carl Allison-Smith. Morning, Carl. Hola, good morning. How's everyone? It's cold. I'm going to say it's cold. 11 is cold. No, it's not. Um, and joining us again, having been on the opening show of the podcast and not been back since, um, we've managed to get him back, it is Kev Barreto. Good morning, Kev. Hi, uh, thanks very much. Brilliant to be back. Good to have you, mate. Right, so um, let's kick off with a, a trip north. Um, we ventured north of the wall and headed up to Inverness yesterday um, in a game that, for all intents and purposes, nobody in the world seemed to think was going to go ahead. Um, there was games cancelled left, right and centre. Um, if you're like me, you woke up in Fife yesterday with about two or three inches of snow. Um, and as we headed north um, and through and, and into the highlands, the snow subsided and the sunshine came out um, and we headed north um, for what was actually a really enjoyable way to break a, a, a hoodoo, a 23-year hoodoo that I know um, the man sitting in his car and uh, is, is desperate to tell us about. So, Leslie, I'm going to kick off with you. Tell me, what was your, your thoughts on the game yesterday? I was just absolutely delighted. Um, now, if there's any Cali fans listening, in some ways this is nothing personal, but I was born north of the Keswick Bridge. And as everybody knows, if you come from north of the Keswick Bridge, you are not allowed to like Cali Thistle. So, you know, this was a personal one for me as well. I think, you know, after Dunfermline, this is the game that I look forward to most of all in the season. Because, you know, seeing us trying to beat that hoodoo, it matters a lot. When I was growing up, this was the game I usually got to go and see. And I have seen a lot of shite at the Caledonian Stadium down the years. I have seen a lot of abominable things. I've seen Isma Goncalves carried off by two men. I've seen Simon Miotto shipping five goals in a, in a freezing 5-0 defeat. I've seen all kinds of things that no human being should have to see. So this was a wonderful, wonderful game yesterday. Um, I'll throw it over to those who were maybe a little bit more critically detached. Tell us a bit more about how the actual their feelings going to the actual game were. Yeah, it's a pretty a pretty good way to, to go. So Scott, you would be watching online, I'm presuming. I had it on a stream. Well, the first half was a bit dodgy, but. <laughs> No, it was a. Uh, no, I thought it was a, a pretty good game, uh, considering the conditions. Uh, I did need to ask because I couldn't tell on the stream. Was it water? Was it sand that was bouncing up with the ball every time, or ice? Because uh, <laughs> yeah, you see it on the highlights even better. Anytime the ball was getting passed or bounced, there was something kicking up off the surface. But it was a. Uh, that was interesting. I thought it was sand. That was just less yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I noticed. I noticed that watching the highlights. I'll be honest. Mind you, I'd been drinking since half <laughs> <laughs> on the bus, but I never noticed anything at the game. Kev, you were you were with us um, in the icy north yesterday. What did you think? Well, well, um, first of all, I, I didn't notice any ice or sand. Um, yeah, I've, I've got no idea, Scott. Sorry. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah. 
pitch was to be fair, the pitch was in pretty good condition considering yeah, yeah. I think Leslie you'd said it was minus ten overnight the night before. Aye, it was minus ten. I mean, hats off to the Cali ground staff for getting that on in all seriousness. I mean, they tweeted a photo about an hour before kickoff and you know it's in the pitch was in great nick. I mean, I don't know if it was freezing up during the game or whatever, but absolutely fair play to the Cali ground staff for the good work they did to get that game on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Carol, talk us through your, your thoughts. Kind of team line comes out, so kind of an hour before kickoff. Um, and we'd, we'd kind of talked extensively through the week um, on the preview show about the, the lineup and how we had no idea what he was going to do. Um, and then there was kind of a few notable names missing from that. Um, no, you and Murray, obviously, in there um, was the, the kind of big one. And obviously, Scott Brown as well was missing. What was your thoughts when the, when the team line came through? There was a, either on the group chat and a couple of, uh, definitely on the, the chat board on Ray TV, there was a discussion was, was it a back four or a back three? That was it. And there was still discussion when the team came, was it a back four or a back three? Were we going to, and then looking at um, the the reports this morning, they've lined it up four, four, Vaughan front and then Hamilton off Vaughan at the front. Um, yeah, it was more the other way around, I think, actually. But That's what I thought as well. Definitely felt like Hamilton was sitting back off Vaughan and Vaughan was further up. Yeah. Um, I think O'Reilly is a signing and a half. We have done really well with him. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard to get back into the team with him on, on the back. I was yeah, we talked, we talked about that through the week as well. Just the idea that people keep just taking their chances. You know, people come in. Murray's been quite good about that, actually. He's talked about, you know, if you come in and you take your chance, you're, you're going to get you're going to get to play sort of thing. So um, it was good to get that. Scott, what did you think of the, the lineup when you when you saw it? Were you thinking back three or back four? Because I'll be honest, I had no clue when, when we saw that team sheet. No, I I didn't have a clue either. I mean, to be to be honest, see if we hadn't had that cup game last week where we tweaked everything, I would have been a bit worried going into the game. But because of what happened last week, I was like, well, the guys will know what they're doing. It's... Yeah. Something they've probably worked on again all week in training. I've got to agree, Dan O'Reilly's been superb first two games. I mean, for somebody to go almost six months without competitive football and come straight in and play 90 minutes back-to-back games, and he gave away a penalty, which wasn't a penalty last week. But uh, other than that, he's been yeah flawless, to be honest. He's... And I mean, everyone's brought up that he's been like obviously uh, keeping himself fit because he's got he's like a personal trainer in his own time or something and stuff like that. So I think it was just match sharpness, but he looks like he's been playing all season to be honest. So to get somebody like that is brilliant. But no, overall, I thought first half I thought were really good. I mean, even Espe leaving got out their own half at times. It was ridiculous how we went in nil nil at half time. I thought. Um, the main thing that I took for the first half was that we were just kind of snatching at everything when we got a chance. It wasn't like, even for the goal, not goal that we'll maybe on to, Vaughn doesn't even connect with it and it kind of just slices to the bottom corner and you're just like, if he connects with it, it's a goal because he's, what, six yards out, something like that. So, no, I thought first half we just seemed to be snatching at stuff and it wasn't going our way, even though we're in control of the game. Easton, again, was lining up his defender and kind of jinking either way but again nothing was really coming off for him but no we're creating loads and loads of chances we we just dominated that first half yeah it was a it was a really solid performance I thought actually that in that regard um given that we didn't know 
um, how the team was going to line up. And obviously, for anybody who wasn't at the game yesterday, we ended up with Josh Mullen playing as a as a right back, which was really surprising. Actually, I think had you had you thought we were going to do a back four, I'm presuming we would have all thought Scott McGill would come in and and play right back. Would have been the kind of more obvious um, option. Leslie, what did you what did you think of Josh Mullen's performance at right back? It's obviously not his natural position. I think he did all right. I mean, I won't lie, I was worried for the first 10 minutes of the game. You know, it's kind of like a Jenga tower, you know, and you're taking a piece out every time and at some point it's going to topple over. And then when I saw the team lines, I was kind of thinking, this is it, this is going to be the day the Jenga tower collapses. Because if you look at that back four, so we started with Liam Dick, who, you know, you're quite happy with having him there. Dan O'Reilly, who's been in the door two weeks. Dylan Corr, who's come in having been injured and, you know, was making his first league debut. And then a winger at right back. And so for the first 10 minutes, and I do not mean this as a criticism of any of these guys individually, it did look like four guys who had not played before in a back four being told to play together in a back four. And, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, we could we could lose something early doors here. They settled down quite quickly, though. And I think, you know, Mullen, I mean, he, I think he did, he did all right. He didn't rip anything. They didn't tear him to shreds. I mean, as, as is often the case, you could probably pick through it forensically and you could find, find things where... Ross Millen might have done better. But again, and we'll come to this later, what we maybe lost a little bit defensively with having Mullen there, we more than made up with what brings us going forwards. And that, that was what, what kind of helped us out a lot at the end. So, you know, I think like many of our players, we're asking them to do things that isn't kind of top of their skill set. They just do it. And, you know, it, 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 it got us through. Yeah, I was, I was a wee bit surprised with the way he lined up the... The two centre halves, they seem to have Dylan Corr on the right hand side of that back four, which which kind of surprised me a little bit in the sense that I thought he might have had, you know, just spread the kind of the the experience a little bit. Um, but no, I thought I agree. I think they did they did really well. Kev, what did you think of the the first half as a as a whole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I, I mean, first of all, in defence, I, I thought a um, bit between Dylan Core and Dan O'Reilly that they covered pretty much everything. I, I don't think that, from what I can remember, Big Kev had a single save to make at all. And, you know, a couple of crosses and stuff like that. But, but I, th- I thought it was a very uh, attacking um, um, first half display as. I can't remember if, if it was Scott who said um, Dylan Easton. I, I just thought he was running at them and putting good balls in. And uh, as um, Duncan Ferguson said, said in in um, his interview, really Inverness didn't do very much, but they defended well. To be fair, and and our shooting wasn't brilliant, but you know we, we, we're certainly creating chances. Chances, and I thought I thought that some. Um, the defence played very well. Yeah, you can, you can kind of see why... I mean, Duncan Ferguson, obviously, having come in, we talked about it midweek, he's kind of turned that tide around. And they're, you know, they're not they're not winning convincingly. Neither are we. We're winning by one goal every week. But, um, you know, they're not scoring a huge amount of goals, but they're not conceding a huge amount of goals either. You can kind of see that. I thought they were quite well, quite well drilled, actually. Um, they were quite well organised um, throughout the game. Um so, Carl, I'll come to you that, because um, I'll be honest, well, the three of us that were in the stadium, it was at the other end. But that, Scott mentioned already, that goal that wasn't a goal that could have been a goal. What was your 
what was your take on that? Because I was still celebrating, to be honest, when the game was carrying on. Well, I, I didn't have a stream, so I was audio only. And okay. I, But the, the commentators on Wraith TV, they obviously had replay and they were like, oh, it looks like it, looks like it. So the, this morning at one o'clock in the morning, Barcelona time with a few beers in me, I decided to watch the match replay. And I swear, I must have rewatched that thing. It would be a small miracle if it did just bounce off the, the bar and then skate along the line perfectly and not go in and make the net bulge in that way. It would be a very big Christmas miracle. Um, but in real time, yeah, it looks like it just skims across the line. You do have to kind of zoom in on Wraith TV's replay. So in the ref's defence, he probably couldn't see it. In the assistant's defence, he should have called it, I think. Yeah, but I wasn't that's... sure if the net bulging was the ball or the goalie, actually. The, the goalie seemed to kind of, he seemed to kind of put his hand in yeah. the net almost, but I wasn't sure. Because I'd, I'd heard similar from you. I think, actually, it might have been you guys in the, the group chat, because um, we were obviously at the game and, and you're getting the, the nets bulged. <laughs> like, that was the, yeah. like, it's definitely a goal the ref's out to get us. Scott, what did you think? Did, the, did your stream kind of shine any light on that? Uh, no, sadly in the first half it wasn't great, so I kind of obviously was just going by what um, there was somebody for Radio Scotland was at the game and he, even they've said on the radio, when somebody's gone to them, said, I think it's in. <laughs> the TV guys thought it was in as well, so it was a little bit strange. I think from the highlights it's too inconclusive to give it. Like I, I think it's fair enough that and I, I actually do think it's the goalie's hand that's hit the net. I don't think it's the ball. The ball's hit the post. Unlo somehow, Ridgers is a big lump at a goalie. It's went underneath him without even hitting him. Because yeah. if it hits him, it goes in the net. So somehow it's managed to fit underneath him and go to his defender who's managed to clear it. But it was just so unlucky how that ball's not gone in. But I, I, do, I do think that it was probably only half of the ball was over the line. I don't know in the championship if the refs have got these watches for the goal line stuff. No, I don't think so. I thought that maybe the championship had at least the goal line nah. sort of stuff, but I, I might be wrong. But because uh, the you do sometimes see it that the ref still like looks at his watch and then just gives a goal when you think it's <laughs> whether he's just trying to put on a show. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say I think they just think they're on the telly. Aye. <laughs> um... Leslie, did you did you have any thoughts on that that goal before we kind of move it to the second half? I mean, it's it's very hard to say. I think like like Carl says, you know, we don't have VAR, we don't have that technology. Um, so some of you who are listening might know regular listeners will know I, I shout a lot for Japan and international football, and we had a, a magnificent goal against Spain last year where uh, Daisen Maeda and Kaoru Mitoma between them kept the ball in, but then that was ten minutes of tech and deliberation different angles to decide that this ball had stayed in. You don't have that. The ref, the linesmen are having to make a snap decision. I would agree that I think what made the net ripple was Mark Ridgers. I am not convinced from the angles that I saw that the whole ball crossed the line, but we just don't have the evidence to to, to make a, a firm decision either way. I think in the heat of the moment, it was probably the right decision. Yeah. I think over the, over the piece that first half, we were really solid. I think we played really well, but I think Scott's kind of touched on it. It felt a wee bit like we were snatching. Um, I don't really remember us having huge chances in the. I mean, that was obviously was was one, but there was there was one moment. I think it was Dan O'Reilly was absolutely bundled over um, in the box, 
um, for a penalty shout, which I remember shouting for at the time and thinking that it was a penalty. But I, I must admit, having watched the replay, it looks a stone waller, though, doesn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. I, I, I had it down uh, last night. I made a wee note uh, just to remember myself. And I, I couldn't believe that the ref just played on. I thought it was, going back to it, I thought it was ice hockey all over again. I thought it was a great uh, cross-check film. <laughs> but it was, uh, no, I, I thought O'Reilly like, almost looked so bamboozled that it wasn't even given and then Liam Dick then called for a handball straight after he's like flicked it up and it's hit the, the guy in the hand but I, I, I genuinely thought I, I thought both of them were penalties the one we got later on in the game but I actually thought that one was more of a penalty than the one we got at the end so whether the ref is also taking that into account later on I don't know but it's um it's bizarre when you see penalty <laughs> O'Reilly given against them last week for absolutely nothing. Yeah. And then he gets cleaned out by somebody that's not even looking at the ball. He's kind of looked up and went, nah, I'm getting the guy. And then just wipes him out. So uh, I was going to say, that's that's the key for me. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of kind of youth football, school football over the years and stuff. And you hear the ref saying it all the time. And it's the the, the one thing they always say, you're not looking at the ball. You, you, you're looking at the man, you're not looking at the ball. It's like the most obvious kind of foul in the book is... If your eyes are on the ball and you collide, the ref can go, well, you know, it's one of those 50-50 things. But when you're you're clearly looking at the man, I thought he just kind of jumped straight into him. It's one of them, again, had it been on the goalkeeper, he'd have given a foul against the goalie, or for the goalie, sorry. Like mm-hmm. an Anybody else want to chip in on that that penalty shout before we, we move it along to a, a second half? Definite penalty. Definite penalty. <laughs> Definitely a conspiracy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Talking of conspiracies, actually, can we just take a minute? Because um, I know we're kind of we, we toyed with different versions of what's going to be our big question at the end. But I am thoroughly, thoroughly loving the Dundee United conspiracy at the moment that somehow the, the, the SFA. It's amazing. I'm loving it. I mean, a team that are sitting top of the league unbeaten and they think that the SFA are out to get them. It's tremendous. Totally tin pot. Um, it, it truly is fantastic. Um, right, so we move into the second half. Um, and I actually, personally, I thought we started the second half pretty well, which we haven't done um, an awful lot of. Um, we kind of, we got the ball down and we kept kind of going and we kept kind of plugging away. But then the inevitable happens and um, we switch off and that man, Billy Mackay, Jumps in and and scores a header. Um, Carol, I'll come. Uh, I'll come to you first. You'll have obviously watched the replay. We'll work our way around everybody. But what was your what was your kind of thoughts on that opening spell of the first half? A uh, second half, sorry, up until we conceded that goal. We looked like we were. We knew what the game plan was. We needed to score before it all flops because we we are well aware that between minute sixty five, if we're lucky, till about seventy five. Something switches off. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the energy gel that they've had at half time hasn't kicked in or something. Something doesn't happen in those minutes. And what we've definitely improved over the last few weeks is we come out the second half knowing that this is going to happen. Um so yeah, we were quite solid and strong, but it's what are we why are we switching off? What what switches off? What does anybody have any theories? I personally don't. It's just it seems to just be what we do. I, there's a lot yeah. of it that wonders if it's like kind of sadomasochism in a way. Like they quite like being behind so that they can come back and 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 win a game. I don't know. I, I genuinely can't put my finger on it. 
yeah but it's such a pattern and, and what's surprising is that obviously other teams have observed this but they don't seem to observe the last 10 minutes totally. they observe up till about minute 85 and then go oh that's fine we'll be fine we'll be fine and it's yeah so it seems we're solid and then something seems to happen about minute 65 yeah. and i have no idea what it is Leslie, what was your what was your kind of thoughts on that goal this is, the, this is the thing with Billy Mackay. He's a pest. He's an absolute pest. And he's been doing this for over a decade. And he's one of these very good championship-level strikers who can be completely kind of marked out of game. But he will get one chance and he will bury it. And, you know, in fairness, it was a good ball in from Wotherspoon. Um, you know, probably the two, only the two players of any kind of real quality or consequence Inverness had. No surprise to see them combining for the goal. Again, if you were kind of breaking it down, you could say, well, you know, Core could maybe have done better there. I think that would be very harsh across the piece on Core. You know, that's maybe the, the reason why it's happened, but I think it would be very harsh to pin the blame on him, you know, given that is his first league game. And he's got to mark one of the most experienced and best strikers in the championship. It's, it's a tall order. The ball comes in, comes sailing over Core's head, and Mackay connects with it exceptionally well, and that is what he does. Okay, what was... What was you thinking with that that goal coming in? Did you see it coming? Yeah, oh, I've I've got to say, um, second half, Kelly Thistle um, de definitely came out of the blocks and and were putting us under a bit of pressure. That they, they made a, a couple of chances, and yeah, as Leslie said, it, it was a, a superb cross, and and Dylan Corp were just very, very slightly misjudged it. It was unlucky, but it was a decent finish. And, you know, so same, same as Leslie, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to criticise anyone, whether it was Kev for, for not coming out for it or, or, or Dylan Cole for, for not winning the header. It, it was a, a good cross and well put away. And and, and to be fair to, to, to um, Callie Thistle, that they were having the better of the game at, at that point. After we completely dominated the first half and, and were, were making a load of chances, it did look for, for, for a lot, same as what Carol was saying, it, it looked, whether it was we switched off or or they had just switched on. Uh, you, you know, I, I could see it coming, and, and and it was probably deserved. It feels like one of those things. I, I I never know if it's knowing what the Rovers are like or if it's just every football fan feels the same way when you're dominating a game like that, and they break up the pitch. You think, all right, here we go. Like this is it. Just felt like it was going to happen, not because it felt like it was going to happen, if that makes sense, but just because we we were kind of chipping away and not really getting anywhere. Um, Scott, what did what did you make of that that goal? I had a slightly different take on it, but I'm interested to know what you thought. I obviously I, I seen it uh, live on the stream at the time, but I thought I want to see it again later on in the highlights because to me I thought it was just almost like a hit and hope for Wotherspoon. I thought he's he's not even looked. He's just hooked his foot round, and it's a hopeful. It's a good hopeful ball, but at the same time I thought. What it looked to me was two guys that either haven't played a lot of football recently, or you had one guy that hasn't played a lot of football and is inexperienced, and you've got another boy that doesn't play right back. So it was a mix-up uh, communication, I reckon, between the two of them, and Mullins not used to following a runner into the back post, which Mackay, as Leslie's mentioned, it, Billy Mackay knows every trick in the book. He's been around the game that long. He's played international football and all. He knows where to be, what run to make. 
And he's probably looked and went, right, I'm winning this ball. I'm just going for it. And he's ran into the back post, headed it. Good header. But I do think it's something that we should have been dealing with. I think it was a hopeful ball which just managed to float up to Mackay. And he's got his... I mean, Mackay's, what, 5'10", if you're lucky? So Dylan's got to probably do a little bit better. But at the same time, the guy's missed a lot of football. He's still, what, 20, 19? Like... I, I almost keep thinking that he's actually a bit older than he is because he just looks a bit older than the likes of Masson and that, but he's only actually, I think, a year older than them guys. So it's something that uh, we just need to remember that these guys are going to make mistakes. They've no played football, they're young, whatever, but it's. I do think it was more our fault than them putting in a good cross. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I agree completely. I think... Definitely on the point about Dylan Corr, I've I've mentioned this a couple of times as well. Like I think because we signed them and because he was brought in as a first team player, we do kind of think of him a bit differently. But he is a young guy. Do you know what I mean? A really young guy and actually really quite inexperienced. I mean, he's got one one season under his belt in the Lowland League, um, and then has played for us a couple of times in the League Cup. Um, and, and that's kind of it. I mean, it's not all not a lot of football. Um, I agree, I think. I think Hitton Hope's maybe a bit harsh on Wotherspoon. I think it's one of those crosses that any good winger puts on. You know, there's an there's an area to aim for, basically. And you just you're sticking the ball in there in the hope that your striker will read it and kind of get there. And for Dylan Corr, um, he's kind of in that position, but he's not marking anybody at that point, really. So it's kind of caught underneath it. But I thought Josh Mullen totally switched off. He just fell asleep. And you can actually see that when the ball hits the net, Josh Mullen kind of looks over his shoulder and goes, oh, crap. Like, that was That's me. my man. Yeah, and, and I think it's one that had he been a had he been a regular right back, I, I would probably be sitting here being really critical of him because he's completely switched off. But he's not, and, and so you kind of can't. He'd had a decent game up to that point. Um, but yeah, it's one of them, I think, when they watch it back, um, I think Josh will, Josh will rue that one a little bit um, because he doesn't have to do a lot. You know, he just has to take three or four steps across and, and header the ball out. I think it's interesting what Kev said as well, actually. I never even thought about the goalie coming out because it wasn't, wasn't a huge way outside the, the box or anything. So um, there was potential for that. But yeah, I, I, I'm, a goal that kind of we felt was was coming for all the wrong reasons. Um, and then Duncan Ferguson um, does a, a, I think we're now calling it a Veldman, um, and decides to take off the best two players, that, the most experienced and the best two players that he has, um, would any, I mean, I was, I'm not even going to ask, does anybody want to jump in and make fun of Duncan Ferguson for that? Yeah, I'm actually going to offer a slightly different take. I think taking them off, partly was just because they're goosed. I mean, I think between them, they've probably got a combined age of about 76 or 77. You know, Mackay, okay, you can wander about up front. If you're relying on a, a winger who's at that age, you're not going to get a full game out of him. Yeah. And I think it was I think it was a wee bit different maybe to Veldman. Veldman, that was phenomenal arrogance. Um, you could say the same with Partick as well. They thought they'd won it when we got the 2-2. This, I think, was actually just these guys are knackered. And, you know, they're very good players, but it was very clear that when they came off, all Cali were able to do was just kind of block things and get in the way of stuff. But it gave us a big chance. Yeah. Billy Mackay's one for me. I, I I think I agree with you, Leslie, where Witherspoon's concerned. He's also not played a huge amount of football. Do you know what I mean? And he's been Absolutely. training with Inferman, which we know is substandard. So um, he's, he's not going to be the fittest. But um, I just think Billy Mackay's one of those players. 
I, I can't see how he'd be that tired. He wasn't he running about a huge amount, but he's the kind of player that's always going to chip in. I mean, he did. He's always going to chip in with a goal. Like it just seems, it seems crazy that that they made those two substitutions, and the game turned on those two substitutions again. Um, because I felt can, like we actually pushed them back a little bit. Can I? Can I just just come in there now? Uh, um. Oh, after Kelly scored, they, they, they had another couple of chances. Now, now Kev made a, a decent save, and like they, they hit the woodwork. But did Kev get a touch to it? Because it, it looked no, no, he didn't. All right. Oh, okay. well, I, I thought the same as you. We were actually we were applauding him in the stadium in the stand. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It, the angle we were at, it looked like he pushed it onto the bar. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that... a great save. But I watched the replay oh. a few times this morning, and no, he never touched it. Oh, okay, okay. But you're right though, they they made they actually probably had their best spell at one nil. Um they made a few chances and you know created a, a few opportunities um to, to get back into the game. But um I felt that the as the substitutions were kind of made, they kind of lost. I think I, I felt like um Witherspoon was the player that was bringing them forward. They didn't really seem to have anybody in the midfield who was doing that kind of, you know, that Sam Stanton or the Sean Byrne kind of role that, that kind of turns the game on the head and, and pushes it forward. Um, yeah, but... sorry, but, but can I um, just come back to what you're asking about about the substitutions? Because um, there was a fan uh, at, the, at the back of the stand, a Rovers fan, who, who was obviously get, getting a bit frustrated because we weren't playing brilliantly, and he was like proper slating Louis Vaughan, like it's, it's saying that like, he should have been taken off, and and why has Jack Hamilton been taken off, and. See when when, when Josh Mullen put put that ball through to Louis Bon, Louis like, took it over the defender and slotted it in. It's like fucking get it up, you you <laughs> bastard! It's like what us? Oh, that's why everyone fucking loves him. I mean, you know, and and, and this is the thing as well. Sorry, I, I, I don't don't want to kind of kind of jump okay, too much, but okay, cool, cool. Well, well. But we all, well, well, well certainly, I, I sometimes like wonder why is he in Murray doing that? Like Jack Hamilton's more likely to to, to be winning stuff in the air, even though, to, to be fair, Kelly Thistle seemed to have got the measure of him like yesterday. Ian Murray seems to just have a knack of of knowing like who to take on, who who, who to, to 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 um to take off or, or whatever, and like. I, 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 I just think it, it, it's a mad thing that, that like, back in the day, even probably last season and definitely a, a few seasons ago, if um, Rovers were, were, were a goal down or, or a couple of goals down or, or whatever, with, with five minutes to go, you, you see the fans just, just just leaving the stadium. No one does that anymore. Oh. Like, like, like People have come to expect that like, it, it doesn't matter what, what's happening. Like, you support the Rovers. And, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going here uh, a, bit, well, a, bit, a bit because um, after um, the Dunfermline game, game obviously like, in the podcast, there, there was a bit of discussion about like, some uh, of the young team being a bit arseholes type of thing. Well, yesterday... You've got to say credit to the the, the, the young team. They were non-stop. 
Like, and, and even when we, we went to goal down and were under the cosh a little bit, they were just singing and singing and singing. Rovers weren't playing brilliantly, I, I, I thought, to, to be fair. But whether it was like, you know, that, that backing of the crowd or, or what, or that inspired substitution by Ian Murray which, which you know like you know proper he's, he's the messiah <laughs> yeah I think that's that's two really good points actually Leslie do you want to do you want to come on on both of those the the, the crowd yesterday um I personally I thoroughly enjoyed my time in that stand it was there was a really good atmosphere in there um and then obviously the the substitutions as well what was your thoughts oh yeah absolutely so I mean I was saying to my dad before kickoff we don't you know, we just looking around you, you could see we'd brought a good support. You know, compared to some games that, that we've we've seen at the Caledonian Stadium, there was a really good support. And I saw the drum coming in. And I was thinking, on one hand, this is going to absolutely do my boxing for the next 90 minutes. But at the same time, you think, brilliant. It brings, a, brings the atmosphere. Substitutions, I would agree with Kev. I think, you know, the logic would dictate. You're thinking, why are you, why are you bringing off the, the kind of big guy up front, you know? The one thing about Inverness, I mean, I think apart from Wotherspoon and Mackay, there wasn't a great deal of talent. But one thing that they have always done for the last few years is just have flipping massive defenders. You know, you go back to guys like Robbie Dees as well, and you, know, you had Allardyce before. Then the guys have got in now, like boys, they're, some of them are maybe not the best footballers, and they can't even walk in a straight line, some of them, but they are just huge. And you're kind of thinking, why are you taking off the biggest attacker that we have? Our guys are just going to get knocked over like, a, like bowling pins. But it turned out to be absolutely the right thing to do. You're bringing Callum Smith on with just that bit of piece of energy. Jamie Dillon as well, who we all know can, can hit a ball and can certainly make a ball travel. It turned out to be exactly what we, we needed at that uh, at that moment. Yeah, it was it was a a real kind of a, a really kind of bold thing with with um with the manager to make the changes that he made. But I think Kev's kind of hit the nail on the head that that he knows what he's doing. Like, there doesn't seem to be... And I think, Scott, you touched on this before, that some of the changes last season seemed a little bit kind of... Hit and hope, I suppose, actually. Like, we, we didn't always know what he was trying to do, but it seems to have really turned this season, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think this season... I, I've got a few theories that I think that... It, probably because we've got this much thicker and bigger squad to use that Murray's probably just looked at it and went, well, let's use the bench. We've got three guys that we can easily bring on every week, if not four. Obviously, last uh, yesterday was a bit different because likes of Murray, Brown, uh, Watson are all missing. So you're also missing another three or four options that could have been on the bench yesterday or starting. But I think the fact that He's probably also looking at, like, because it's these days, everybody looks at all these iPads and everything on, on the touchline. I, I can guarantee he's probably talking to, is it Blair, the fitness guy, and probably going, they've probably got numbers on what guys are doing. And maybe Hamilton, Hamilton's been taken off, I noticed, the last three games on the exact same minute. I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but 77th minute, last three games, he's been taken off. So I don't know if it's something that he just seems to get to around 75, 80 minutes and they think, right, he's run his race. I don't know. But it's um, it might be something to do with that. And But I, I think also that it was a little bit bizarre for five minutes. The boys had kind of kept playing as if Hamilton was on the park, but yet he wasn't. And so we're asking Gullen and Vaughn to win heaters in the air and it's not going to happen. Yeah. 
it does it did kind of feel like like the the Hamilton thing wasn't working. I think that's the the, the key to it. He, he he hadn't had any joy the whole game, and it wasn't because he played badly or 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 anything. But he obviously he wasn't up against Chris Hamilton for a start in that kind of mismatch. Do you know what I mean? Like he he had a great time at East End Park. Um, because the challenge, as much as Chris Hamilton's a, a battler, is never going to be able to physically battle him or, or you know, for the aerial duels. Um, Carol, that that first goal, then um, you'll have you'll have seen the replays um, and the the kind of Louis Vaughan. Do you want to wax lyrical about Lewis for a, for a few minutes for us? Well, what can you say? I mean, really, I mean. Um, I'm with you, Kev. I would have been get it right up here to the guy behind me if he. I was. I think I would have turned around immediately after celebrating the goal and given him a several finger salute to just get it right up here. Because I think in general the team this season they're not only playing for the club, they're not only playing for the manager, they're playing for themselves. They're playing it because they enjoy the game, and I think Louis Vaughan just loves scoring at the moment, and he will do anything to get the ball in the net. Because just his whole body language when he scores is like, are you not entertained? And it's like, yes, we are, but give us more. Give us more. And I think that's what he wants to do. He just wants to entertain. Because he's got so much to prove and so much to say thank you for, I think. And I think he's doing it to say thanks. Because that's the only way he knows how. You can't thank the club in any other way for supporting him through all this than doing what he's doing right now. And I say thank you to him. <laughs> Love that. And it is, it was a, a really well-taken goal. Um, but a bit of a mention for Josh Mullen, though. I mean, that, the the assist. Leslie, what was your, it was obviously right in front of, I know you were kind of um, pretty close to where I was in the stand. It was right in front of us um, as it happened. What did you think of the, the Josh Mullen assist? It was, it was just brilliant. I mean, like I said, right at the, at the start of the programme, with Mullen, you, you maybe lose something defensively, but that's what you're getting. Or you just, you're just getting these quality balls into the box. And... Yeah, I think we've talked about it before. It's, it's what Mullen brings that's maybe a wee bit different to Aidan Connolly. If Aidan Connolly's out there, he's cutting in and he's going to unleash a screamer. With Mullen, you know, it's like the difference maybe between kind of like, um, I don't know, monster energy with vodka added to it versus like a well-matured red wine. A very cultured, refined ball comes in, which is just put in beautifully for, for Vaughn. Also with Vaughn as well, I thought he was just going to hit it first time. I thought he was just going to unleash it first time and then there'd be a good chance it would go in, but he doesn't, you know, he takes it up, he completely hangs the boy out to dry, and then rifles a wonderful shot into the uh, into the bottom of uh, the bottom right-hand corner and down to Mark Ridger's left. So that, that I think, the, the ball in for Mullen, that, that quality that he gives us, and also something we might not have seen in past seasons, which is just, we saw it again in the first Cali game with Jamie Gullen, rather than just hitting it, just taking an extra touch, taking an extra moment, and giving yourself a much better chance of scoring. I don't know if that's something we've been doing on the training ground or whether it's just coming through uh, through experience, but oh, it was a terrific goal as a, as a bit of football. He seems to have that incredible ability to lift the ball vertically without it really moving kind of too far away from him. And he, he, I mean, he did it, I always remember the one against the Pars. Um, he was right on top of the goalie and he just kind of <sighs> flips it straight up and then skips over the goalie and then scores. And it's, it's just a joy to watch. And it is that thing, the first time a player does something like that goal there that Lewis Vaughan scores, you would be forgiven to think, is it a heavy touch? As he as he went to strike it and changed his mind last minute and then kind of had to readjust. But nah, he's, he's, it's the thing Duncan talks about as well, watching the game in slow motion. Like, he sees what's happening. But I mean, for Josh Mullen to pick him out with a... And it was a, I'm, 
I, mean, I, had, I was a few beers deep at this point, but it was a header, wasn't it? It was a cross from, cross from Easton to the far side, and then the header. But it was pinpoint, Scott. I mean, it was right, right to Vaughn. Ah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, first of all, it was actually a really nice clipped ball for Easton that's taken out all the defenders. And at first, I thought actually, like he's actually clipped it too long. But Mullins done well to just make sure that he's there. And then. I know it's it's a brilliant header, but at the same time, I think Mullins probably went, this is just more a hopeful, let's get it into the box and see if we can get on the end of it. And for some reason, Inverness are sat that deep in the box. I think there was at least six of them behind the ball there at that point. And then their attacking sort of three were nowhere near Vaughn either. And so Vaughn's got all the time in the world. He's managed to clip it over the boy that's eventually came towards him. And it, as Leslie says, it's a it's a superb finish considering he could have easily snatched it like he did in the first half a few times. But also it's his weaker foot. Like Vaughn, I couldn't tell you too many goals he scored with his left foot. So it's, uh, it's, it's brilliantly taken and... Fair play just to even just, as we've said, he's done it a couple of times before where he's just taken that extra touch, which has taken a defender at the game and then just managed to score for that. Is, that was brilliant. Yeah, I thought, I actually thought very similar to you. I thought it was just one of those headers, but I actually now don't think that. So if you've seen the video this morning that Ben's put up, um, and it goes back to something that Carol mentioned as well about the boys wanting to play for themselves and play for each other. That video of the kind of the aftermath of the game and the players celebrating with each other and big Kev just cuddling everyone. It was glorious. There was a message in the group chat this morning from Duncan just like remonstrating about how much he wants to be held like that by Kev. Um, and who could blame him? But there's actually a point where the, the they're chatting away and the players are coming across and the camera pans across and it's Josh he's arm around Louis Vaughan and you hear him clearly say I heard you screaming and I don't, I'm, I'm just assuming it's for the goal but he says I heard you screaming and the, the header as he comes across the header back it, for me isn't the obvious header the obvious header would have been loop it to the back post try and get it over the goalie and hope that there's someone coming in that just kind of flattens it um, but it was like a cutback with a header Yeah, beautiful um, really good and then we go um, and in true Rovers fashion and, and I must admit I at that point thought we're winning this <laughs> we're winning it again this is amazing this is now I thought we were winning it at 20 past you did uh, actually you, you actually um, completely called it again Carol 93rd yep. minute for a 2-1 win yep I don't so, gamble so I wish I mean, well did because I would I was going to say win. next week going to text us what's going to happen <laughs> Because I do gamble and I don't gamble very well. <laughs> well I could I could do with a slush one. Um but I mean I, I don't know if we need to go through the, the, the giving of the penalty particularly too much. I, I'm presuming nobody's thinking it was soft. No, okay. it, it wasn't soft, but I think somebody I actually wanted to give just a quick shout for actually is a uh, Sean Byrne to win the ball before it goes to the box. He could easily just back out of that because it, it was actually a ball that he didn't look like he was going to win. But he's actually managed to just force himself into the challenge and make it more of a 50-50 than it probably should have been. And the other boys actually been pretty weak in the challenge. And the fact that the momentum's moved the ball back up the field, Stanton's then gone into the box and then get... Uh, I think it's just clumsy for the Inverness player. It's... 
the fact that none of the Inverness boys are even complaining, it just shows that everybody was just like, why are you making that challenge in the 94th minute in the box? Like, at least just try and block the shot. Don't be trying to fling a leg at somebody. Kev, you were you were going to jump in there. Oh, I think we might have lost Kev. We'll come back to him. Leslie, what was your uh, what was your thoughts on the on the penalty? It was an obvious penalty. I mean, we could do it. We could actually, there could have been more than one penalty. We could do a John Greer listing up of the offences there. So he handles it first. And then Stanton goes dribbling forward, as he does. And then just in point blank panic, he just boots him across the knees. And, you know, it's an absolute stonewaller. Referee's finger goes straight out to the spot. Like Scott says, like you said, Blair, no contestation from the Cali players. Um, so it's an absolute clear stonewaller. And, you know, the referee is immediately moving over. You know it's a penalty. My favourite thing about the whole thing, though, was that in the post-match interview, Ian Murray still thinks it was Josh Mullen that's taking the penalty. I mean, was I mean, was was Josh ever taking that penalty, or do you think that was also tactical? Just to you know that thing where the player picks up the ball and they're going to get a bit of shit housing from the goalie and everybody else that that Josh takes all the shit housing and then hands it to to Hammer, or or was he ever actually maybe taking the penalty? I, I think being a number nine striker, Jamie Gullen can he be allowing somebody else to take that ball. He even admitted in his own interview he was desperate for the one at Hamden that Ross Millen, but Ross Millen went, nah, I'm taking it. So Gullen's just went, nah, it's my turn this time. And so it was a... No, I think Mullen's obviously... They said it was a little bit of mind games that... Mullen looked like he was going to be taking it and then Gullen just sat back at the edge of the box going, well, I'm taking it, so I don't care what's going on here. And then eventually, once it's all been decided, he's the one that's walked forward to take it. But I tell you something, even if Ridgers goes the right way with that penalty, he's getting nowhere near it. It's top top bins and it's a brilliantly taken penalty. It's so easy to, I think, Gull- I actually expected Gullen to just hammer the ball at what part of the goal that he picked. Because he's just got that harder strike that he thinks that even if the keeper gets a hand to this, he's going to be parrying it in the net because, well, hence his name, Hammer. It's just the thud that he can get off a ball that I just thought, he's just going to hammer it. It's 90th minute, but he's just caressed it into the top bin. And then the, the scenes again, I, I mean, that camera that have got looking at the fans, uh, a shout out to somebody for when we did the K107 show. Angus is just <laughs> standing there and there's these two oldies that have walked across and all, and they've just jumped in and everybody else here just going, I hope they're not getting hurt. <laughs> it was just mental again. It was it's tremendous. Graham Kilgour's one where you you watch his feature and he runs round, but then you can see it on the fan cam, just this massive duffel coat sort of thing, just running with the camera in the hand, screaming at a pitch I have never heard before. It's yeah. just, I don't know what it does goals do to, to voices, but it takes it to a whole new update and a whole new tone. It was tremendous. Graham's, Graham's camera, I don't know if, if, if you've not seen it, go online, look, Graham Kilgour, he's he's standing kind of at the side of the pitch level with the goal line when the penalty's taken. And then when it goes in, he has the presence of mind to hold his phone level and just run towards the melee. And if any of you are old enough to remember Leslie Nielsen's police squad naked gun, and there's the intro, and it's like the roof of a police car with the siren and the music playing as the police car just goes through all these scenes. Somebody with better IT skills than me needs to set Graham running into the crowd to the, the police squad theme tune, put a wee siren there at the bottom. It's just glorious. 
It was tremendous. I must admit, I uh, I turned back into a fourteen-year-old at that point. I lost myself. I was down the front. Um, we actually started celebrating. I was standing next to my, my cousin Michael was standing next to me, and uh, he's like, "We're going, we're going," and I'm like, "We're going." And I went down, and I've actually woken up this morning with a sore back, like an old man, like I've tweaked something coming down these stairs and into the melee. Um, but it was the yeah, the scenes were were tremendous. Another booking. Um, this is my only worry with this. If we keep winning in the 93rd minute every week, we're going to be racking up these yellow card suspensions. Um, I mean, we lost um, Ross Millen yesterday for exactly that um, at Hamden. And actually, <clears throat> I was thinking back, you, you guys are better with the stats than me. I can't remember Ross Millen getting booked this season for a foul, which makes me think he's probably actually got six bookings for being a shithouser. Like, oh, um, yeah, it was a, a, a great win and another um, another great kind of um, journey and, and that kind of away day thing that, that we have, um, which was tremendous. Another late winner, um, which has got to be that young team. Um, we, we said already the young team making noise the, the whole game. The, um, they're going to be hooked for life. Like those boys are going to be, they're going to remember this season. And this is the kind of thing that keeps them coming back. I mean, we've joked before about, you know, I started going in 91, 92. And by the time I'd been going to the football for five years, we'd, you know, been three years in the Premier League, won the first division twice, won the League Cup, played in Europe. And I thought that was normal. Like, I thought that's just what we did. Like, do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's um, making memories week on week um, at the moment, which is really, really good to see. It's tremendous. Oh, here we go. We've got Kev coming, coming back. Yeah, just, for, just for those of you who are listening along, while we were chatting away there, Kev vanished into cyberspace. And um, as we've been chatting, Blair's been doing a big kind of intergalactic investigation to, to try and find him. I think, you know, Kev has become the Kobayashi Maru or whatever of the uh, of the, um, the Zoom world. And he's now back. Welcome back, Kev. We have Kevin back. Welcome back, Kev. Cheers. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. Sorry. No, that's all right. You're just in time, actually, to tell us all about that penalty. So we've gone through it. Oh. We've, we've chatted through the penalty, the giving of the penalty, the goal and the celebration. But what was your what was your thoughts on it? Oh, we've lost them again. Oh, no. Technology. See, this is what happens when we don't have Duncan hosting the show. Do you know I mean? I think I'm cursed. Um, right, so we'll, uh, we'll kind of wrap up the game there unless anybody wants to, to kind of talk anything... Else, actually, Leslie, I'll come back to you because you've done some, you've done some Wikipediaing. Have yes. So on Wikipedia, as as I mentioned in the, the pre-game podcast, um, there was a section on sporting curses, and somebody had put up the 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 Wraith Rovers Inverness curse alongside all these other sporting curses, like the um the one that was from American baseball involving Babe Ruth, and uh, now my favourite one from Japan, where the Hanshin Tigers didn't win um, the, the National Baseball League for 30 years after somebody threw a KFC statue in a river. Um, Google it if you're interested. But I took great pleasure on Saturday evening, cracking open a wee can of beer, sitting down and editing out the editing in the end of the Wraith Rovers Inverness curse and saying this was finally broken on the 2nd of December 2023, thanks to a stoppage time penalty winner from Jamie Gullen. So Wikipedia has now been updated and corrected for factual accuracy that the Wraith Rovers Inverness curse is officially over. I love that. Does that make him like the Nessie Slayer or something? You know, we've got the we've got the Carly Scalper. Hmm. What was that, Scott? That's a good He's the Carly Scalper. The Carly Scalper. 
I like that. Um, I think if we he have scores got... on Friday against Thistle, he can be the Thistle scalper. <laughs> True. I like that too. I'm, I'm there for that. Kev, we have you back. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I've, I've not missed too much. Can, can I just say something about Jamie Gullen and, 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 and uh, uh, about the team uh, as well? I just think uh, it's amazing. Like, uh, I mean, he's a relatively young lad. So mature, though, like no attitude about being on the bench. And that seems to be something that, that Ian Murray has got going with the team because we've got such a decent squad now. Like There, there are going to be the, the likes of, whether it's Callum Smith, like Jack Hamilton, Louis Vaughan, like Jamie, who, who are having to, to sit out. But they seem to be so professional that what, whatever's happening, like, They'll do their job when they have to do their job, and like major, major respect to him. I, I, I just, just thought listening to his interview this morning, what a lovely, lovely bloke, top, yeah, top guy. Really is. It comes across as quite a this is one of those things that seems like a loaded thing to say, but he comes across as quite an intelligent guy as well, which isn't uh-huh. always the case, you know, when you get an interview with a footballer. But, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think Ian Murray's got a real kind of squad together. Um, you can see that the way that they celebrate with each other and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, fantastic for him to actually to and as as Leslie's literally done, he's written himself into the the kind of history books for us as well. He'll always be the guy who who stopped that that hoodoo. I mean, I, I've talked about it before, but the last time that we beat um, Inverness Cali Thistle, I was in fifth year at high school studying chemistry at a school in Glenothes. And the, the next time we beat them, I'm the head of science at the other school in Glenrothes. Like, wow. the, the difference in... I mean, it's it's literally... And Grace, actually, Grace Fowley, who does the, the social media, posted up yesterday, she's never seen them beat Inverness in her lifetime. But you don't think about, you know, when, you're, when you've been going for as long as we have, kind of thing. So, kind of, that's a nice kind of segue to come into our, our big question for today. Um, so we've, we've had a bit of a chat and actually in kind of honour of having Kev on, which was one of the things we've, we've kind of talked about this big question a few times um, and we'll probably do it again with, with a few of the others that, that are in but um, one of the things I've really enjoyed about being part of this podcast from the very beginning is just finding out about all the different kind of people who are, are Rovers fans and why they're Rovers fans because as I mentioned already in the show for me um, it was dead simple. My dad was a Rovers fan, so I was a Rovers fan. And like I say, we were good when I was a kid. Like We were really good when I was a kid. So it seemed like the most natural thing in the world. Um, but I'd like to just take a wee bit of time to, to kind of go through um, with the four of you. Um, so the big question this week is how and why? So why why Wraith Rovers and, and how did you find yourself um, following us um, the way that you do? Now, I know, Scott, yours probably pretty similar to mine, so we'll maybe get yours out of the way first. I I mean it was as you say it was pretty uh, simple to be fair it was the fact that my dad was a season ticket holder at, at Starks for so long and it was a case of just once I was old enough basically my dad went right you're coming to football with me on Saturday and it meant that I didn't have to go shopping with my mum so it was, <laughs> it was as simple as that really I mean sort of guys that were kicking around my first season that I was going regularly anyway was 0102 so again you could probably count me also and technically no seeing us beat Inverness and that as well. But uh, like uh, people like uh, that was Novo's season. He was kicking around still and 
Willie Nanu, sort of them sort of players. That was the first season, and then guys like Laurie Ellis were still there as well. But um, no, it was just a case of my dad was was there and was going every week, and so I mean he told me every every week until I started going. If you if you end up thinking about supporting that mob across the road, you'll you'll be shown the door. So <laughs> it's a case of right then. <laughs> I actually vividly remember I was playing uh, under 10s football. I just started playing. I was nine years old. And I still remember saying to my dad, I really like that Rangers top, that that new Rangers ship. And he went, no, you don't. And that was that. <laughs> it was just, no, you don't. Not not happening. Um, Leslie, we'll come to you. You want to tell us a little bit about how a, how a man from the icy north ends up being a Rovers fan? So, as you can probably tell by my accent, I am categorically not from, from Fife. So I was born in, in, in Verness. Um, my dad, however, is from Kirkcaldy, and he's been a Rovers fan since he was born. My, my granddad was also a Rovers fan. My great-granddad was not a Wraith Rovers fan. He was a Kirkcaldy United fan, and he did not like the Rovers because he thought that the Rovers were, were pushing Kirkcaldy United out of existence. But again, kind of kind of like him, a bit like yourself, Scott, it was sort of like, OK, when you're, you're old enough to go to a game, you're coming to the Rovers. Because like at that time, what you have to remember is, we didn't have um, Ross County or we didn't have Inverness Cali Thistle in the in the Scottish League system at that point. They were in the in the Highland League. And um so everybody in, in the village that I grew up in supported Rangers. And um, there were buses going down to Ibrox every second Saturday from the village. So that was it. Everybody else in my class at, at primary school supported Rangers, apart from my, my best mate, he supported Dundee United because his mum was from Dundee. So we were having a lot of uh, fun and games in the in the WhatsApps uh, this season. Um, so the first game I went to was in, it must have, it was the 93-94 season. It was Hearts. We beat Hearts 1-0. Starks, Peter Heatherston scored a goal that day. And that was uh, the first game I went to. And then at the first top I got was the uh, the cup winning, the cup winning home top. Um one of my memories from from uh, from primary school actually was uh, we went on a school trip to Hillsdale and the tartan strip had just come out. So I got the tartan strip, we got it ordered, and so I was allowed to wear it because we were on a school trip. And I got mercilessly hassled all day by two thick as shit Rangers fans. One of whom had that red and white kind of quarter Battenberg cake away strip, and one of whom had the purple one. They were thick as shit because. Gascoigne had joined Rangers around that time one of them had got Gaza 8 on the back of his strip and the other had got the fucking number wrong, he had Gascoigne 4 so these two numpties with completely wrong things on their strips and I'm thinking they're like, oh yuck, nang and strip and I've still got my tartan strip, it still fits I can categorically tell you neither of those two guys will still fit in it, they are Rangers tops and mine is worth a lot of money because it does not have stupid text on the back, so get it right up his, and my club did not go bankrupt so that was that was kind of part of my my growing up, but it, it kind of gave you a thick skin. It gave you a kind of you know resilience to dealing with shite because we then started to have to deal with all kinds of crap on the pitch as well. You know, and I went to university in Edinburgh. I kept going to Rovers games. You know, I went over and saw the Anelka games. I remember shouting things at him in a, in, in in French. You know, I kept going to games when I was when I was away. Kept following games when I was out in the Far East. I remember I came off the, the, the plane at Hanoi to find we'd lost the penalty shootout that saw us being relegated against Brechin. Um and you know just just recently you know been being able to kind of get to get to more games and been able to, to take my wife to games as well since she's come from Japan. She saw us lose 3 0 at Cove away in the um, in a, a, a League Cup game that was a dead rubber. She's seen us lose in Inverness and um, she's seen us win now at Queen's Park. So um 
yeah, my story of just that, that's, this came from my dad basically wanting to make sure that I did not end up supporting either side of the, the old firm and, and continuing the, the family tradition. Fantastic. I love that. I love the fact that even even being so far away, like, you know, you've still maintained that kind of connection with the club. And obviously you, you're not able to get to quite as many games as you want to, but um, you, you seem to be a bit of a good luck charm, so keep it keep it coming. I do not know about that. See, I, I didn't want to tell you guys this, but see, before the Queen's Park game, I actually couldn't remember the last time I'd seen the Rovers win in person. It wasn't just before COVID. It was also before what the Arbroath fans called Colin Hamilton Day. We're talking about five or six years of me going to games and not seeing a single win. And now we've had two on the bounce, so fingers crossed. I had that before the cup final against Rangers. I was sitting there going, I've not seen Rovers win for, like physically for years. Should I be here or not? Is this a good thing or not? Well, Carol, um, do, you want to, do you want to give us your, your story then? Because obviously it leads, it leads nicely to that moment. Yeah, uh, I think my first game was 92-93 season. I cannot remember who it was against. Um, but I in primary school, I'd loved playing football and wanted to play football and rugby, but it was still sort of late 80s, early 90s where girls weren't technically seen as a good thing to play rugby or football. So it was more encouraged. You can go and watch it. So I was taken by my mum and some of her friends along to the Rovers game, and I discovered that you could shout at people and scream and vent and get it all out and it was amazing and I loved it and yeah and I'm like you Blair I thought we like Europe cup finals that was that was the way and with the draw last night with the Scotland draw against Germany I just had sort of flashbacks to like late 90s Scottish football going I'd love being a fan back then 15 six year old football family was like Rovers in Europe Scotland in Europe Scott I was like this is it Scotland opening World Cups and then I don't know what happened early 2000s I play in university and drink, but that's that's my own personal problems. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of similar. I have that. Leslie talked about it the other day when he was talking about Scott Crab. That kind of period of time where nothing seemed to happen, and I'm I'm with you. I was at uni at that point, so I don't know how much of that was the team and how much of that was me. But um, yeah, that's definitely a um, a pretty familiar kind of story. I must admit, um, and that kind of leaves us with with Kev, which is very much a very different story, Kev. Totally, Blair. In fact, pretty much directly opposite to all the rest of your stories. Um, uh, um, Same as Leslie, you can probably notice that um, I'm not originally from Kukodi. I'm a a, a South London boy. I used to um, watch Crystal Palace in in the um, 1980s and uh, and 90s, moved up to um, Kukodi in 2001 and actually lost interest in football. Now, my, my son, um, when he was uh, about seven years old, it, it was after the 2010 World Cup, he, he said to me, um, Dad, completely the opposite to, to, to use, uh, as I say, um, Dad, Dad, can you take me to see the Rovers? And I said, OK, I'll, I'll take him. I'll, I'll take him the one. So I thought it'd probably be, be rubbish. He, he won't want, want to go again. Um, is it the... 2010 season and, and um, it was the first league game of that season and John Beard and Gregory Taddy were, were, were just magic and, and I mean there's Laurielis, Davy McGurn, Alan Walker all, all, all of that lot. Johnny Baird scored a hat-trick we, we won 4-0 against Partick Thistle um, the, the train went by and did the do-do-do-do-do you know, you know and um, like 
we 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 just got into it and oh, another thing I, I said to to my son I said because back then um I mean now he, he swears like a trooper but back then he wasn't allowed to swear exactly the same as what Carol was saying about about shouting and swearing I said look you're you're allowed to swear at the football but like when you get home because your your mum won't approve at all you just don't. Um, after that game, we, we decided to, to to start going to, to home games, and you, you know you get get to know um, like the, the the people that are sitting about you. But because we were getting into it, and because and Rovers were doing well, like, like I mean that had a, a decent decent team back back then. Um, but we started going to away games, and and this is where I. Feel like I started becoming um, part of the Rovers family because I used to go on the, the supporters bus, and I'm guessing that the majority of you will will know Jim McIntosh, um, an absolute gem of a bloke. I, I, I don't, don't know how old he is now, but he, he's still like going home and away, like doing the the fifty fifties. And um, he, he he just um like gave that human touch. We, we was interested in knowing about us. Always we, we would have a little chat with with, with my son and and um and talk about when he was working in South London. I think in the the nineteen seventies and stuff like that. That that he wasn't far from from my old team, Crystal Palace. So it's it's that that connection. Uh, and and the the thing. But more than anything, for for me, that, that has kept me going. And I know, like you know, when I'm a, a granddad myself and stuff like that, I'll, I'll be wanting to take the the, the grandkids. Is it's it's it's, it's different to, to to supporting a team like like Palace because it feels like like when when you're getting to know people, whether it's people around you or whatever, that you're part of a, a family. And, and that's the thing that I, I have to say this current lot of owners seem to have totally tapped into it. it it's absolutely brilliant. Like, you, you know, so, so much of the stuff, whether it's like social media or, or, or like, um, like photos of, of fans or, 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 or video footage of fans celebrating or, or that kind of thing, you, you feel that you're part of something like that, that isn't, I, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's brilliant watching them play such good football now, and 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 because I'm a bit older, a lot of the the, the people that I hang about with at the football are in their sixties and seventies and stuff, and they're comparing this current team to to, to the the team in, uh, of the mid nineties, the Jimmy Nickel lot and everything, and it's it, it's brilliant to to, to sit, see that and be be a part of that. Don't don't get me wrong, but 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 to me, it's that whole family thing. That, that, that um you're part of that that um that makes it a little bit more special and and um I'll I'll, I'll just do um like one shout out if, if I may now, now if if you're coming up to to, to um the, the the south stand in, entrance like you know you see um Valenti's fish and chip shops now now, now um like I, I'm sure anyone who, who's um from Kukodi will, will enjoy the fish and chip chips uh, and the like cracking ice creams and everything like that but but um it, it's it's that whole connection like that that um you know D- dario's dad he, he's a character he, he'll tell you about 
stuff while you're waiting for your fish supper uh, uh, about like stories from the the 90s uh, like when rovers were playing the likes of uh, um, like rangers with gascoigne and all, all that kind of stuff and um you know even like recently um after bobby charlton died there, there was a rover story about about when he was managing preston north end and uh, and they came up and, and and i think bobby charlton scored and like us it, it's a much bigger thing than just going to to football at palace and, and don't get me wrong I'll, I'll always keep an eye on, on our palace are doing and stuff but it it, it just feels that you're part of something quite special, and 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 now the the the, the way the current owners are, are, are doing things, it, it just is, is is lifting that and tuning into that. Now, 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 one thing I have to mention, because like rivals always feel the need to to, to go into all, all that pish about about, about goodwill and all that kind of stuff, and 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 don't get me wrong, that that was. Uh, a difficult time for me because I, I didn't feel like I could go games. But even then, I would always look for for, for, for Robbie's tweets, like you know, either during a game or after a game, because it kept me in touch with, with, with what was happening with Rovers, and then watching Wraith TV and everything. And like I say, it's, to me, it's it's special, and and I know it's always going to be with me. And you know, obviously, the things like. Damien Castlenova scoring against the United, like Grant Murray's header at Easter Road, all that kind of stuff. Oh, Johnny Beard, of course, like like Carroll against Rangers. Yeah, it, it it's brilliant. But but yeah, I, you know, traveling home and away, like you know, with, with a hangover and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all part of it. It's brilliant, brilliant. That's really, really, really nice to hear. Actually, it's one of those things that I think as somebody who grew up with the club and it's I, I never ever thought about supporting anybody else um it's really nice when you get people who like yourselves have come from um a, a kind of a different path to to get to it but actually feel feel what we feel um which is nice because sometimes you don't know if it's real do you know what I mean like it's it's what we think it is but is it really like that kind of thing um, so it's really, really nice to hear and a really nice way um, to finish this podcast. I am going to just segue very, very slightly and just to, to re-hit on that, because it was something, as you were talking through that, that reminded me. So on the bus yesterday, we had um, Graham Laurie, who's a, a, a Rovers fan, who was um, up on the bus with us yesterday with his daughter, who had done her school project. I was speaking to him in the pub. This was quite late on, so the details might be a bit hazy here. But his daughter had done a school project on, I think it was role models, is, is what my brain is telling me. And she'd done her gran and Dylan Easton. And so um, Graham had sent this to Dylan Easton on Instagram. And at the end of the game, Dylan came over, took his shirt off and handed it to her. And honestly, the look on that girl's face when she got that strip, if you could bottle it and sell it, you would make an absolute fortune. Um, it was just such a lovely moment. Um, and completely epitomises what you're talking about. Although I'm sure at this point, the fact that the, the shipment of away strips isn't coming until January, I think Simon's going to be panicking at this point if they keep giving away those tops. Um, but right, I think unless anybody's got anything they want to add on that note, I think Leslie's fingers have just about fallen off um, in that car. Um, so we'll we'll call it to a close there. So um, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much um, to the four of you for joining me and thank you very much to everybody for listening. Cheers all. We're on our way. We're on our way. 